Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Diana was recorded on December 2nd, 2021. Okay, thanks so much. Uh, my name is Diana D. I am an adult child, and uh, thanks for having me. I am very grateful to this program for giving me a new sense of freedom in my life and hope. Uh, and something to work toward. I will start by talking a little bit about how uh, it was so that some of you can uh, connect with where I come from and then talk about how I work this program and what's it, what it's done for me in my life and what it's continuing to do for me. I grew up in a, a blended family. So you know, my parents were divorced before I was two. I have no memory of that marriage. Uh, they've always been separate. My father moved away when I was about six, but I continued to have a relationship with them. And both my parents were remarried when I was fairly young. And then both of them also had children from their second marriages. So the family grew, but the structure of it was never very stable. And uh, I was born to people who were adult children themselves. So I didn't get a lot of what I needed, um, mostly because they weren't capable of providing it. They did the best they could. And for many, many years, it was hard for me to accept that because I thought, how could this possibly be your best? But for them, it was. And when I look at both of their backgrounds, I see there was just not a lot of foundation of love, care, consistent nurturing, consistent emotional presence and support, which is what uh, a young person needs. And I would say that uh, both of them you know, they, they suffer from the disease of uh, self-sufficiency. There's a difference between taking responsibility for yourself and insisting that you do everything alone so that you are perpetually under-resourced. And I definitely learned that. I learned that if I didn't do it by myself, um, it didn't count. And that left me alone and isolated a lot of the time. And it meant that I most of the time did not have what I needed because what I've come to understand through my 12-step recovery is that very very few of us can provide everything we need for ourselves. We need community, people, connection, spiritual connection, uh, relationships. And I had no idea how to build them, how to nurture them, how to keep them. And the older I got, the more difficult it became. And I just felt like, wow, I just really don't know how to do basic things like um, make friends, apologize, be nice. <laughs> All the things you learn in kindergarten, I didn't, didn't land easily within me. So, you know, growing up with a single mom until I was about seven and a half, uh, there's not a lot of soft places to land. You know, she was doing what she could to make money. I went to school for many, many hours a day where they had before and after care because she was a nurse and worked long shifts and couldn't come get me. Uh, I was, you know, hungry a lot of the time because I didn't like the food there. And one of the ways that I controlled my discomfort was to, uh, refuse food when I was a kid. And, you know, when I would go see my dad, I would fly up to where he lived in a different state and everything was like great because he took off work. 
and I got attention and he attempted to provide a routine and he did everything he could to try to make it comfortable and homey for me. So while I was more comfortable being with my mom, I was comfortable in a certain level of deprivation and discomfort. And then when I went up to see my dad, I wasn't emotionally comfortable, but I was provided for more. So it was just a very, it was a very different environment in each home and they weren't doing what today is called co-parenting. They weren't doing any of that. So nobody was talking about what was and wasn't happening, what should happen next. Uh, there was, you know, there was a lot of financial scarcity. They were both unstable and nobody was talking about that either. So I was raised in an environment with a lot of scarcity, a lot of lack and a lot of isolation. And, you know, as, as my parents got remarried and then had kids, I became the lost child that, that, that is talked about in the big red book. I, that was very much me. I was on the periphery of both families. I did not feel comfortable in either one. And, uh, I never really understood that until I went to college, you know, and was surrounded by, I went to college in the Midwest and I was surrounded by kids that had grown up in these really tight nuclear families, kids that talked to their parents on the phone on purpose because they wanted to. And I thought to myself, what do you talk to them about? What do you talk to your parents about? That never occurred to me. I did not have that kind of relationship with either of my parents. So I kind of grew up like an island and I became very self-sufficient and I was hyper-responsible and I developed that hyper-vigilance that it talks about in the laundry list traits. And I have traits on, on both laundry lists, the laundry list and the other laundry list. And I just grew up very uneven, like a lot of adult children. And my attempt to solve that problem was hyper-vigilance, control, and rigidity. That's how I solved the problem temporarily is that I established routines for myself. I was the good girl. I didn't need help with anything. I didn't need help with my homework. I got things done. I was like a machine moving through life, but I wasn't having an experience. From a very young age, I was not having an experience of my life. And, you know, I always had one friend or two best friends or something like that, but I, I didn't know how to operate in a group either. I didn't know how to be in a group of friends. The only time I was in a group was when I participated in, in athletics or theater. And those were the places that I got a sort of sense of family, you know, a loose family structure, like when you're on a team or you're part of a cast. And that gave me an inkling that there were other ways to relate to people besides just one-on-one -on -one and alone and intermittently. There were ways, but I it didn't come naturally to me. And it was like visiting a foreign country. I would say, I mean, the biggest, one of the biggest problems in my life is that I don't trust people. And that leaves you very alone. It, it makes it very difficult to take advantage of opportunities there that are in, that have been in front of me. I, and I got that because I was in an environment with people who, you know, growing up with people who were themselves not very trustworthy and didn't show up consistently. And then I began to replicate that pattern in my adult life as well. But I didn't know that for many years. For many years, I was so critical of other people. I was very much a person that pointed out what was wrong with everybody else. You know, it was a classic case of if you spot it, you got it. But I had never heard that before. And it never occurred to me that perhaps I was doing the exact same things that were irritating me about my parents or other people in my life. So I grew up with 
without a lot of connection. I would say that that is the, the basis of it is, is being in a connection deficit for most of my upbringing and really looking for ways to get connected. And I found ways to do it, you know, like through sports or through creative activities, but that's not the same as being connected to people who know how to care for you, who ask you if you're okay, who ask if there's anything they can do to help you. You know, I don't, I don't remember anybody doing much to help me. And so that helped to form this very misguided belief that no help was available. There's no help. I have to do everything by myself. And that is simply not true. And that's what I've learned through my 12-step recovery. There is help available. I don't have to do everything alone. And the weight of my life does not rest solely on my shoulders. Uh, When I was growing up, the idea of a higher power, what I understood to be God, was not something I really enjoyed. I grew up in a church where I felt uncomfortable. And so when I stopped going, when I went to college, I never wanted to go back. The idea that God could be something very specific to me and that I could have a personal understanding of what that higher power was and that it could be totally different than what was handed to me was a very foreign idea. But I'm very grateful to my 12-step recovery for giving me that because it saved my life. I really had no sense that I could remake or reimagine the entire idea of power and that my higher power is not something that wanted me to be disciplined and submissive, but a power that would want my expansion, that would want my full, uh, my full expansion into the world where I could share the gifts that had been given to me, where I could uh, drop my guard, not have to be hypervigilant all the time, uh, not have to compulsively prove myself by being productive or responsible or earning money or getting the good job or whatever it was that I was trying to do. I was definitely an overachiever as a means of trying to fill that big black hole inside of me. But it didn't matter how many things I achieved because I didn't enjoy it. There was no joy. There was no sense of play. Like I said, there was, I wasn't having an experience. I was just checking the box on things to survive. Thank you. So, you know, I came into ACA, how long has it been? It's almost two years now, I guess. And I went into the yellow book workshop. Now I had, I was working two other programs at the time. And I knew that what was underneath the root of those compulsive behaviors was adult child symptoms. I knew that. And so I went into the yellow book workbook program. I worked the 12 steps uh, in the 10 months that we had with a group of fellow travelers. It opened things up. Uh, ACA is a different program than the other 12-step programs because the solution is simpler, but the reasons for the solution are complex. (laughs) And this is what I noticed about it because the solution in this program is to become your own loving parent. Okay. That's very simple. Okay. Become your own loving parent. Okay, how do you do that? And then the big book, the big red book has a lot of instructions on on how we care for ourselves, Um, how to become more gentle and compassionate with myself, how to give myself affirmations and love, how to check in with myself emotionally, how to be a, a soft place to land for myself. And I had many, many years of outside help, 18 years of outside help, and It helped me to become very articulate about my feelings, but it didn't change the feelings. 
it didn't change the feeling of hopelessness. It didn't reduce the anxiety that comes with feeling unsafe in the world almost all the time. I needed a higher power for that. I needed a spiritual solution for that. And so in working those steps and, and turning over the, that step work to fellow travelers, uh, it opened me up in a new way. And when I was in first in ACA, I mean, even the first six months, I was like, okay, well, this is the beginning of a new phase of spiritual work because 12 step recovery is focused on action. Uh, it's not focused on analyzing or understanding why. I mean, we do a lot of background work in this program to understand how we got where we are. But after you know that, then what? I have to take action. I have to get into a spiritual action. I have to perform contrary action on my character defects. I have to get connected when it's the last thing I feel like I want to do. I've got to reach out for support when that feels really scary. I have to rely on a power greater than myself, which is a fi- basically a figment of my imagination and something I created that makes sense to me. But it's not a, a human. It's not, it's not personified in any way. And so it takes a lot of work to sustain engagement in, in this kind of healing. Um, but I'm sure glad that I do it because now I have a much easier time letting go of the things that bother me about my family of origin. And they still bother me. Those things have not gone away. These people are the same people. But I have changed how I respond to them because I feel safer now. I have greater connection in my life. I have like a safety net underneath me that I never had before as a result of working the program. And so I don't have to rely on these people to understand me or to get it or to apologize or to change or to do the work that I'm doing in order for me to have a good life. I can put in the emotional labor to do that with other fellow travelers and I can do it one day at a time. And so I don't look at this program with the same kind of uh, harshness that I might have looked at program other programs in the beginning because this one is really about a nurturing kindness to myself following my intuition, restoring that intuition, uh, talking to other people, listening to other people, watching recovery in their lives. It's, it's kind of, um, it's like a slow flowing river, you know, and the days where I don't want to get wet, I just back off. I don't bear down harder. And I think that has been a, one of the biggest shifts in my life is that when I feel uncomfortable or I want to solve a problem, I don't push in order to do it. I lean back and I make a phone call because I can only have so much recovery in one day. I can only have the amount of recovery I'm, I'm willing to have. Basically, how willing am I to surrender to all the things I'm powerless over today? And I'm definitely powerless over people and the way they behave and the choices that they made in the past. And I'm also powerless over a lot of the things inside of me that are just automatic from growing up in an environment that wasn't supportive or nurturing. I can't change that, but I can change the environment I'm in today and I can make that supportive and nurturing. So after I did the Yellow Book workshop, uh, I continued to work the program and then I started a small group study with some other fellow travelers in that group. We broke off and we have a small women's big red book study that, and we are reading the big red book together. And that's been really beautiful. And I continue to go to ACA meetings. And now I am in a traits workshop 
where we just focus on the laundry list traits and the flip sides of the laundry list traits. And the step work in that program is very deep. There's a lot of writing. Well, it can be if you want it to be. And so for me, I do a lot of writing because I'm built for homework and I like it. You know, <laughs> I can't change anything about the way I grew up, but I can certainly answer some questions, honestly, which is really all the step work asks me to do. So I've been writing on those traits and getting more comfortable with the language of ACA. And what I've noticed is that, you know, this work has not changed the things that are painful in my life, but the traits have become less aggressive over time. And that is the mark of my recovery. I am becoming less afraid of people and authority figures. I am kinder to myself. I can play. I have more joy. I look for more happiness. I mean, not every day, but I'm just looking for a little bit of progress at a time. And you know, all I feel like a lot of the laundry list traits are starting to just lift a little bit. They're supposed to, they're becoming a little lighter for me. I don't have to carry them around so much. And I think what this program has really done is given me the gift of choice. And it talks about that in the Big Red Book, how I don't have to be imprisoned anymore. I have a choice with how deeply I'm going to engage in the family dysfunction. And so I have a choice to pull out now. I have a choice to leave things early. I have a choice to say no. And I never had that before because I was just swimming in like, what's me? What's them? What's my obligation? And now I've really tried to find a way to have adult relationships with my parents that work for me. And it's a work in progress. I have not landed on the solution, but I'm in a much better place than I was, you know, 10 years ago. And I continue to see my spiritual evolution through my 12-step recovery. And I have also come to see my parents in a very different light than I used to because I didn't have any consciousness around what their limitations and weaknesses were. I just thought your parents were supposed to know how to do everything. And how could they possibly know that? So I look at my mother with a lot more compassion now. I still get angry uh, and I still feel disappointed. This program has not cured me. I am a person who is disappointed, but I don't have to carry it around with me and I don't get to use my disappointment as an excuse not to live the life I want to live. And I don't get to throw that in anybody's face and blame them for things because it doesn't help. What does help is me choosing to get into spiritual action and to use the tools of the program. It's interesting that I'm sharing now because there's been a shift in my family. Uh, in the past couple weeks, I have sensed that my father, my father's relationship with me is changing and I'm not sure to what I've been struggling in that relationship for the past three years in a, in a way that is new for me. It was always challenging, but now it has become more so. And I have often thought about cutting it off or and I haven't taken any action because I haven't gotten clear direction from my higher power yet. But this year is the first time that my father did not call me on my birthday. And that is very, very rare. I mean, that, well, it's odd. It's never happened before in all of my 45 years. It's never happened. My father does not forget things. Um, it's a statement. And I'm not sure what it's a statement about. But here's how my recovery in ACA has helped me deal with that. Uh, there's been a change. Oh, I'm uncomfortable with the change. I don't like it. I feel disappointed. I also feel curious about why. 
part of me wants to know why, but not enough to disrupt my own serenity. So what if I said, okay, this happened. I don't like it. But what if I just sit with it until I receive direction? If there's something to do, I will do it. If the direction is wait and see, that's the direction. And so far, that's what it's been for me. I do not want to call him, dig it up, start asking other people in the family. All of that is self-will. I want the answer. I want to defend myself, but whatever. I don't even know the reason why it's happening, but I can sense that there's been a shift for him and that he is acting on something. And instead of being a detective about it, I'm going to let this happen and let life unfold in front of me. And when there is an action to take, I will trust my higher power to guide me in the right direction. And that's a very new way of handling a situation like that for me, because I would have felt nervous and scared and undersupported. I would have become compulsive with other things. And now what I'm doing is trying to find some peace with it. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's not, but I have also been struggling so much with the relationship in the past few years. Maybe this is God's direction for me for now. That's and 20 minutes, know, Diana. Thank you. I also know that being in this program, life's going to change. What's true today may not be true tomorrow, may not be true in six months. And so my job is to show up for the life that I have, do the best I can with that one day at a time. And then let things unfold in front of me and respond accordingly. So I feel more at ease and at peace with this. I don't even know what it is with the shift that's happening in, in a relationship with a parent uh, than I would have ever felt or been able to handle without this recovery. I mean, something like that can be really triggering and scary when you have so many experiences with abandonment. But I have felt a manageable botheredness, I guess is what we'll call it. I am bothered, but it's manageable and I'm not going to let it undo my life. So I don't think I would have been able to do that if I weren't in this program and really committed to working the steps in this program over and over. Because for me, this is the slowest recovery I have. It's the deepest and the slowest because this gets at the entire structure that I grew up in, the, my entire way of thinking about the world, who is available, who is not available, what are the signs, what do I have to do to get the love I need, and all of the maneuvering that I did in my life to try to get very simple things like care, attention, and love. And I didn't know that those things were freely available if you're in relationships with the right people. And I guess I'm also using this program to determine who the right people are, because like many adult children, you know, I was looking for love in all of the wrong places and I always came up short and I had a lot of critical words for all the people that didn't give me what I needed, whether it was their job or not. And I can back off of the criticism now. I could just go somewhere else. I get redirected all the time. Oh, that's not, oh, that's not what I'm looking for. Perhaps what I'm looking for is somewhere else. Maybe I need to ask my higher power for guidance about where I should look. You know, and that does work. It does work one day at a time. When I read the big red book, I mean, sometimes it's so arresting how relatable these stories of neglect and abandonment are in the, in the narratives in there, because, 
you know, I had a roof over my head and I went to school and there was food in the house and I had clothes on my back and we went on vacations and sometimes I went to camp, but what I did not have was a sustained emotional connection. I didn't have anybody who was interested in who I was or who I was becoming. My parents didn't do that. And so when I look back on it, it was so hard to identify what was really wrong in my life for so long because the basic needs were, I had those. But what I didn't have was parents who were paying attention. And so it has become my job and my recovery to pay attention. That is my primary job. And there is a difference between mindfulness and paying attention and the hypervigilance that it talks about. And I really know the difference now because of the way I've worked this program and because I have a higher power. I know the difference between gripping so tightly because I'm afraid the bottom is going to fall out from underneath me and also noticing things with a gentleness and saying, oh, I see that's happening. Perhaps I need something I'm not getting. I wonder what that might be. And maybe I need some help determining what that is or Maybe I need some help filling that, that gap. I'm getting a lot better at asking for help. Oh man, that has been so debilitating in my life. When I think about everything I've accomplished in my life on my own, I think, wow, think about how much more I could have accomplished if I'd actually let someone help me. That would have changed a lot of things, mostly my perception. So as I walk through this recovery today, I am grateful to have more freedom in my life to make choices. I don't feel like I'm stuck in a prison and that I can't get out of it. I also don't feel the need to escape or avoid every single conflict that comes up because I don't know what people are going to do. And that's part of my story as well. With both of my parents, uh, both of them can be quite emotionally volatile out of nowhere. They're cool, they're cool, they're cool, and then boom, something explodes. And as a kid, I, I was always so confused about what was happening and if it was my fault or what I was supposed to do. And so my response to that was to tighten and to freeze. And I had a sort of paralysis that comes from that PTSD that they talk about in the Big Red Book, this, this frozen feelings. and. What my 12-step recovery has done is created a thaw. All the feelings are getting thawed out. I can feel them. I can let them in. I can lean into them, even if they're uncomfortable, but I can do it a little at a time. You know, there's, there's a real absence of force in my life now. And I've really, really benefited from that. Um, I'm also picking up on a lot of new patterns that I didn't see before. And that's helping me to come into greater awareness about how I want to be in the world and how I want to operate. I'm just taking a pause here to reflect on some of the things I've said and how far I've come, because on the days when it's hard, it can be, and recovery feels like it's out of reach. It's good to remember where I started and where I am today. And what I can say is that there's hope. There is hope. It can get better, but it has to go slowly because I can only go as fast as the slowest part of me goes. And some parts of me are still slow. And when it comes to relationships with other people, you can't force people into helping you. 
or wanting to help you. You know, I have to allow relationships to develop slowly over time. I experienced that a lot in my professional life. I need a lot of help. I'm in a profession that relies on relationships in order to get anything done or get any work. And relationships were never my strong suit. And I always wondered why other people were getting things and moving ahead and able to, to move forward. And it was because they connected with people and they shared vulnerability about wanting something and needing something. And man, was that the hardest thing for me to do? Admit that I needed something and wanted something I didn't have. I was just so afraid I wouldn't get it. So afraid people would think I was weak or incompetent that I never wanted to ask for any help. And now all of that is melting away. I'm really learning how to get fluent in asking for help. Uh, and I can see the benefits in my life, but it, you know, it is going slowly. When I go to these meetings in ACA, I go because I want to hear the solution. There are a lot of stories and many of us share a lot of the sad neglect and abandonment. But what I really want to hear from people is how they are recovering. How is the program working in your life? What are you doing to engage with your spiritual solution? And so that's what I want to provide for you today, because there is something on the other side of the hardest parts of this program. And it just takes a lot of patience. Well, not just, it takes a lot of patience to work through this and to sit with myself while I learn to accept things that frankly seem very unacceptable. But there is a way to accept it because if I have a higher power and I say, okay, there is a, a bigger machine here at work and I'm just one small cog in that machine and all I have to think about today is getting through the day and taking care of my responsibilities for today then all those things that are out of my control become more manageable. And I mean, every big thing is just a collection of smaller things. So anything that feels big and impossible can be broken down into smaller pieces. So that's what I'm learning to do. I mean, the program is really training for that. How do we take something big and break it down into something smaller so it's manageable and feasible? And, and that structure, that, that way of being in the world can be applied to anything, any relationship, any job, any problem that needs to get solved, break it down into smaller pieces, take it a little bit at a time, have compassion for yourself as you're taking those small pieces one day at a time. And I'm, I'm lucky to have the, you know, the support that I have. I go to about, I go to between three and four ACA meetings a week. I had to search for the ones that worked for me. And I did. I just hopped around on Zoom until I found the ones that, that worked for me where I heard the message and I heard the solution that resonated with me. And I've been in rooms all over the world in order to get that. And that's what's been so incredible uh, about this Zoom technology, how it's allowed us all to get connected. And it's allowed me to hear recovery from people I would have never heard before. And I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, when I was doing the step work in this program, and when it came time for the amends, I realized that a lot, the amends that I had to make, some of them I made in other programs, but they really belonged in this one. And I had a couple people on my amends list, my sister and my father. And I thought, well, I have so many resentments against these people. I must surely owe them an amends. And That's 30 minutes. Thank you. And it took me some time to 
find out what those amends were. And when I talked to fellow travelers, it was like, okay, well, I know I own amends, but I don't know what it is. So we just wait. We wait for more to be revealed. I continue to work the steps. I continue with my recovery and then it will float to the surface. And I have found that to be true with enough step 11 practice, with enough quiet time, with enough gentle self-reflection, the things that I need to know do come to the surface. And that's the ongoing spiritual awakening that I experience in 12-step recovery. It's not just one awakening and then suddenly I can see everything. I continue to have small awakenings along the way. And now I can see more clearly what those amends might be. And then I have to develop the willingness to make them. And today I'm not willing to make them. So what do I do with that? I say, okay, here's where I am today. I have to pray for willingness. And then willingness does come over time. The more humble I become, the more I cultivate some of the qualities that need to be cultivated, I become more willing to surrender, to not be in control, to not have to be the smartest one in the room, to not have to have the set the record straight. I mean, I, I think another big part of my recovery has been the ability to let other people misunderstand me. And that used to be really hard. I used to want to make sure everybody knew why I was doing everything and, and that I was justified. And now I go, yeah, there's some things my, my father doesn't really understand me. And I'm just going to let that happen. It's okay. I don't have to set the record straight because I don't need his approval. And I'm not as scared of him as I used to be. So I can just let other people be confused. And I can also let myself be a little confused. You know, I don't have to have clarity around everything at once. And that's really lifted a burden off my shoulders because I don't have to be the one to fix or solve or understand everything. You know, I'm no longer the center of my world. I have been reoriented in the world as a result of developing a relationship with a power greater than myself. And, you know, the way I did that in the beginning was to say, okay, I don't know exactly what my higher power is, but I'm willing to believe that there's something out there that's bigger than me. Let's start there. I'm also willing to believe that perhaps I don't know everything. Okay. That's the second step. If I don't know everything and there is some other kinds of power out there, other systems that communicate, that are energetic, then perhaps there are things going on that I'm not ready to know yet. And I came around to that because I desperately, desperately needed it. And I was willing to believe that there was something. I didn't know what it was exactly and couldn't describe it, but I was willing to believe and not step two thing. And then I was willing to say, okay, I can turn my will and my life over for today. I'll do it for today. And that's some, my step three practice has to be renewed every single day because I can't sustain willingness and surrender. It's like a renewable daily contract. And I would forget. And so early in another 12-step program, I had this alarm on my phone. I, put, I called it the God alarm and it went off a few times a day because I set a timer just to remind me to think about higher power because I would forget. Oh, yeah. I, I'm gripping the wheel too tight. Oh, yeah, there's this other thing that's in control. And maybe everything will land where it's supposed to if I just trust for one more day. And then gradually, my higher power started to get more defined. The more I worked the program, the clearer it became to me. And it's very specific to me. And then I started to rely on it. You know, I started to 
to not have to make to-do lists every single day, to, to not have to think that if I didn't have everything in my head 24 seven, that things wouldn't get done and that life would not continue and I'd never achieve anything. So a big part of my recovery is, is letting go of the need to do, do, do all the time to avoid feeling all the sadness and disappointment that I actually have. And I did that for a very long time. And I'm proud to say I'm like a recovering workaholic. I don't work to avoid pain anymore. I'm not obsessed with productivity or achievement anymore. And I have a lot more abundance and prosperity in my life. It's amazing how that worked. And I, I would have never thought that would be a result of working this program, but it, but it has been. And so sometimes I think about higher power, like if, if I had to draw a map of everything that I could see, I would draw it. And then there would be all the stuff that I couldn't see. And that's higher power. God to me is all the things on the map that I can't see. And that portion of the map is much larger than the part that I drew. And so that keeps me going one day at a time, especially when there's something in front of me that feels so confounding and impossible. I don't possibly understand how I'm going to work through it. Then I have to get connected to my higher power and I have to use the spiritual solution. You know, the solution in this program is very long when we read it. It's long for a reason, <laughs> you know, but sometimes when we get to it in the meetings, I think, oh my God, this takes forever. It's only, it's less than two minutes, but it says all the things that I need to hear. That if I be, become a loving parent to myself, all of my relationships will improve. And that has been the case for me. They are improving a little bit at a time, one day at a time. And I'm really learning how to take care of myself. And there's a difference for me between taking care of myself and babying myself. There's a difference. I am an adult and I have certain responsibilities and I can approach them with a gentle hand. You know, and I, I think that the more responsibility for myself I've taken in my life, the more powerful I feel. It's really true. And, you know, yesterday I was going on a long drive and I was starting to get nervous because I was, I'm, I'm on vacation somewhere and it's like in a remote area and I was going on this drive and I'd never done it before. And I'm by myself and I was getting nervous about the road because it was not paved. And I felt like I was at the edge of the world. And I just kept saying, you know, just trust a little bit and it'll clear up. Just, I know you're scared and you're afraid, but there's something on the other side of this. And it was just a great metaphor for the way we get through all the difficult things in our life. Just trust a little bit more, just one minute more. And then I was on the other side of something and I found the paved road and I didn't have to turn around and go back. I went all the way through the passageway that I had planned on going through, even though I was scared and part of me wanted to quit halfway through. I no longer feel that way about my life. And there were times in my life where I really did want to quit. I wanted to disappear. I've had a lot of problems staying consistently visible in my life, in relationships and in my career. And now I'm starting to be able to do that with the help of a higher power of my understanding and these rooms where I get to check in every day and be honest about what's really going on with me and a lot of other fellow travelers who reassure me that I am not alone and that the despair that I used to feel and the hopelessness that I used to feel can change. So I want to end there and say that I'm very grateful for this program. Thank you all for letting me 
share my story and uh, share my recovery. Uh, if there are things in here that you've heard that don't resonate, just go to another meeting. You will hear what you need to hear eventually. Thanks for letting me share.